Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your host, Ben Husson, and me, Sean Hannum. Welcome to episode 56. 56. Got past the double nickel. You're uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Uh, welcome, everyone, to episode 56. We have uh, another exciting show for you guys. Uh, Mr. Husong, thank you for popping in and joining us. It's a pleasure. As always. Absolutely. Uh, before we get started, we do the obligatory. Uh, please share and like this video. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and uh, hit that notification bell, and you'll be notified when we air new content. Uh, another Monday, uh, a post-Independence uh, Day uh, mon- Monday. Uh, how was your 4th of July Independence Day uh, overthrow the government day? Uh, my uh, my heavy armed colonist revolt day. Yeah. Uh, it was great. I spent the third out on a Tisco Lake watching fireworks with the family and did all that. Uh, the fourth, we actually did keep the shop, the ice cream shop, open for a bit, much to my wife's dismay. And but on the plus side, she now gets to say she was right because there was no reason for us to be open. I yeah. was wrong. We we could have stayed closed. Yeah, I could. I, I might have helped you with that too. There was a bunch of times where I was like, "Yeah, there's going to be a select crew that kind of want to come in for the thing that I was doing back then," and I was like, "Nope, that was a terrible idea." And right. I was. I was. You know. The intent was nice. You're trying to help the folks, the the, the customers, right? You're trying to do of that. Course. But at some point, you're, you you got to take the time out for yourself. So yeah, lesson, so lesson was, learned. The, not next year. Well, no. And we had a handful come in, and they were they were very nice people. I was happy we were able to serve them. But overall, like if it's us there, and it was just my wife, my kids, myself that were working at the shop, if we had had to pay somebody else to be there, it was like, all right, it's just not worth having yeah, to, right. to no. man the shop. But I totally understand that. So yes, yeah, so how about you? How was your fourth? Uh, not a whole lot. We did, uh, you know. Uh, I don't really do the fireworks thing. Uh, I heard a lot of fireworks, uh, even going out until two in the morning last night. There was you don't do those, fireworks? I mean, they're okay, but I don't, you know, like make a habit to make sure I go see them. I guess I gotcha. In a uh, maybe in a unique setting, I would find them as an extra bonus uh, in certain areas, but it wouldn't be like the main thing that I want to go out and kind of catch fireworks. I guess. I mean, it's ironic. I, mean, I blew up enough stuff as a kid that I right. kind of get the idea. I, I, I enjoy fireworks, but it's I guess I'm in the same boat of like I don't it, it's fun it's great it's cool but it's it, all yeah like I said if it's an extra part of the show then okay that's great but like I don't know it's, it wouldn't be the the main reason why I would go out for entertainment that's all no I agree with that 100 percent I think it's just great I like I uh, I'm kind of a dork ultimately like I like getting together with family having a barbecue and just catching up with everybody and and relaxing and my kids can go have fun and we did it on Sunday after we closed up the shop we went back to the house we did a little yard work and then same thing we lit a fire game sparklers just had a, another little barbecue and it was fun like I enjoy those moments very much so yeah, I, I guess you're reminding me I did do some yard work too that was See? a little torturous but here we are we made it through all right well let's let's we got a couple things that I want to talk about today some of them are kind of preludes to future shows but uh um we're going to touch on the nba finals we have our two teams yeah we're, we're still do. rooting for chris paul right i'm um, obviously okay uh well they have their opponent the milwaukee bucks we'll talk a little bit about that i want to touch base on and i don't really know that when it's going to be over but this new york city election fiasco i love it it's just more chaos um we have some Epstein and Maxwell uh, documents awaiting to be unsealed. So says uh, Judge Preska. So hopefully that's supposed to be within two weeks. So that'll be, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what they're thinks going to be released. And then obviously when they do release, we'll follow up on that here with the show. Right. Um, 
Did did you get part of the Facebook extremist tag? Did you get one of those? I haven't gotten one yet. So you're the fed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a plant. So maybe some of the audience here uh, received a Facebook extremist content warning. I don't know. Uh, do something, say something kind of, or see something, say something kind of warning weirdness. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I got one of those. Um, <clears throat> more weirdness. We have uh, uh, Tucker Carlson. We don't really talk about him on a regular basis, but he's uh, asserted that he's being watched by the NSA, which, I mean, I think everybody's being watched by the NSA. So I mean, he's, he's right. It's just a question of um, whether or not there was this intent to use uh, some information maybe to shut down the show, he uh, claims anyway. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then Julian Assange, it, this case is falling apart basically day by day. Um, the key witness here has uh, been basically outed as a liar and uh, made false accusations. We'll see how that affects uh, the Julian Assange thing here. And then I, we have a couple studies. One of them was about masking in children. I know we've touched on this a bajillion times, but I figured might as well just touch on it one bajillion and one more time. Can't hurt. It's important, right? And then I want to talk about an article you sent me. Um, about some of the similarities that we're seeing in the uh, Dr. Fauci-led AIDS uh, uh, or fighting of the AIDS epidemic and uh, similarities to what we're seeing today in COVID-19. So I thought that article was interesting. Um, but yeah. let's let's start with, I guess, uh, the Chris Paul fan club. I don't know. Is that, are we the... I don't know. I'm sure we didn't make it up. Make, we're not part of the Chris Paul fan club, but we the show has kind of adopted the Chris Paul as the... Uh, uh, the the rooting hometown show hero, I guess, if you will. Um, Suns got their opponent, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Bucks won their last two games without Giannis. Uh, we're still unsure whether or not he's going to participate or when he will participate in the finals. But the Suns and the Bucks. Do you have any uh, hot takes uh, early on before the season before this series starts? Uh yeah, Suns, Suns, six. And, Suns and six. Okay, well there we go. <laughs> Better way, fellas. <laughs> Um, Take that one to the bank, because if yeah. there's anything I know inside and out, it's NBA basketball. I find the one thing that I find interesting is that neither one of these two teams are uh, often uh, make it this far. Actually, the Bucks haven't made it here since 1974. The Suns haven't made it here since 1993. So decades and decades before these teams have actually fought for it for a championship. The Bucks have won. The Suns have none. And then you have stuff like Chris Paul, who... You know, this is his, what, 16th or 18th, 16th year in the league, I think. I think He's like 16th. 38, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the Suns haven't made the, even made the playoffs in 10 years. So, like, the fact that these two teams are here is a little, you know, the Bucks are have clear, I mean, they're listen, they're, they're two of the top-seeded teams in the league. Sure. But recent times have not uh, been kind to either one of these teams. So, it's good to see new blood into the uh, finals anyway, at least for some degree. Yeah, it's not the, uh, it's not the Lakers, it's not the... Clippers, not the Clippers, my bad. It's not the Warriors. Uh, it's not the usual suspects that you are, are accustomed to. Um, I'm happy about it. Like I said, now there's at least a chance I'll tune in for some of it because Chris Paul's there, and I just I like Chris Paul. I think yeah. he's a great player, and I, I want to see him get his ring. Uh, it, it's just the nostalgia factor. It's the same reason I want Phil Mickelson to win the Open, like because you're one of the greatest ever, and I want you to have that accomplishment, so I'm cheering for you. Yeah, I, I think not- you deserve it. I was never rooting for John Stockton or Carl Malone to win, though. Is that weird? No. I literally rooted against them to win every single time they played. Are you a Chicago Bulls fan? No. I mean, I like Jordan. You know, sure. I, I was I was caught up in the Air Jordan stuff there. I don't really have a team. But, I mean, I rooted for Air Jordan or J- Jordan to win. So, yeah, when they're playing the 
you know. I like Stockton and Malone. I mean, it was one of the great duos, and it's one of those, obviously I don't really care which ones they win, but I, I, it would have been nice for them to get the recognition of having the one championship. I guess Charles I'm just Parker. wondering why it's weird, I mean, because I'm trying to think, I'm just this is just self-reflecting here, because I clearly rooted for those two guys to lose, but I think I rooted for Barkley to win, and now I'm rooting for Paul to win for the exact opposite reasons. No That's reason weird. whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, for me, it's a that level of greatness is associated with championships. So, I mean, I've heard people say, like, well, Chris Paul won't matter because LeBron was hurt and Anthony Davis was hurt and it was it was all in, so it's going to have an asterisk. And I laugh, like, no, oh, it's not. I will, I will say, in of the sports, having a championship carries the most weight with me in the NBA because I feel like one person can conceivably take over a game at any one point and can dominate Agreed. the ball and therefore – in a Game 7 scenario or in a NBA Final scenario, the best player I want with the ball, and if they win, then they should get all the credit, I think. I don't know. So it, it, it's clearly it's a, it, there's, there's other players involved, but I feel like in basketball, it's where the one thing where you, you have such influence over a game as an individual yeah. that having a ring is, is, is important to their resume, I guess. I mean, you watched LeBron James early in his career, basically, and I mean no disrespect to the other players on the Cleveland Cavaliers from the early 2000s, but... My God, you won four games after he left. Like they had a cast of, of supporting cast that was just it was laughable, and they made the finals yeah, every year. Yeah. Mo Williams was their second best player. I, I love Mo Williams, but let's just be frank about what we were seeing. Um, and now, like football, you don't see that. Like Dan Marino was the great one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, but he just could never overtake it. Like you need to have. I will say in the NFL, quarterbacks kind of get a little bit of the NBA treatment. You know, Elway got the, you know, you never won, you never won, you never won until you won twice, and right. now he's whatever. But um, in general, I definitely think, you know, cr- football, maybe most of all of, of, the, of the sports, that, that it's so hard to win. But yeah, I will say a little so- side, uh, uh, we don't have any crypto news here other than the Portland Trailblazers signed a uh, licensing agreement with something called StormX, which is a uh, crypto cashback provider. So kind of like you sign up for rewards and you shop with certain brands and certain stores and you get, get to get cash back. And this is through crypto, but they have now, they have partnered with the Portland trailblazers to, uh, uh, continue the crypto infusion into sports and specifically the NBA. So I found that a little interesting. Love it. Yeah. So more on that, more on that. Um, let's, let's touch on, we don't, we don't have a winner, so I don't know really how to assess the, uh, the, uh, this next story here, but, um, the New York City elections. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is not the first time, but this is just the, the most public time, I guess, because each time builds on the, the most recent time. But this year, so I found the dynamic of the, uh, so Eric Adams, I believe, is the uh, current leader. And uh, he had expressed concerns during the vote totals that he thought that there was a, uh, an anomaly where there was like, I look, there's like about a hundred thousand extra votes here. Um, we think we should check into this. And literally the whole left lost its shit and thinking that, you know, he was Trumpian and questioning the elections. And it turns out, guess what? He was right. Oh, shoot. <laughs> the board of elections left a, there were, well, their, their explanation for this is they left a test ballot of 135,000 votes loaded on the computer. And somehow those votes were tabulated into the actual election totals. So, I don't know. Like I said, this was also on top of the first year where they implemented ranked choice voting. So they've had a less than stellar track record leading up to that. 
and then to add this one layer on top of it has not helped things. And then to leave, obviously, a test ballot in your machine is not helping things either. So um, we don't have a winner yet. Maybe when we do, there'll be more uh, uh, news around the election, the, the protocol around this election. But, uh, yeah, what a mess. I'm just laughing about like, this is, in my opinion, a further example of how Trump made everybody dumber. Because immediately, as soon as you, like this guy pointed out, there's way too many votes. This is way, way too many votes. There's no, like, we got to look into this. Maybe it's right, but this is way higher than anybody was anticipating by a factor of like 10, 15% higher than what the most generous um, estimates were. And immediately, because it could be somehow related to something Donald Trump said, everybody lost their mind. You're a racist. You're an idiot. I, he can't really be racist, but you're an idiot. Oh, my God. He's trying to be authoritarian. He's trying to do all this. He's trying to do all this. And then it's like, oops. Yeah, well, so during and I, I didn't I didn't we didn't follow this campaign at all. And I didn't personally follow it at all either. But apparently uh, Eric Adams is he ran against against defunding the police. And so that put him what a in, the, in the crosshairs of the left already. And so when he made these claims about election irregularities they just immediately piled on so yeah your 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 hypothesis is clearly working in that direction everybody's dumber yeah they just it like it makes you do not smart things like think all about also the absurdity of this that the board of elections for new york city the, the the biggest city in america has a mayoral race and they went through and tabulated votes and rechecked and rechecked and rechecked and at no point did anybody in this board of elections go Hey guys, does this seem high? Like, is this high? Are we sure? Let's. Well, you check. know how the board of elections offices are—they're they're basically just appointed privileged positions. So, I mean, it's this not like they're—it's not like they're—we're finding the best uh, tabulators to uh, uh, figure out our most, probably most important function as a government. But no, it's a, it's a laughable thing. This is where I think you and I were very um, consistent on this, even during the election. Of, of course, there's fraud. There's fraud every election. Like. I, I can't prove this specifically, but my guess is that the Democrats outcheated the Republicans this time. Next time, it'll probably be the Republicans turned out outcheat the Democrats. Like, if you don't think this happens, I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't know what you're, what you're watching or where this faith comes from. This was a mayoral election, and they were off by that much. They didn't notice that their 130,000 test ballots were still there. Yeah. I mean, after all these processes to recertify, like... What's your job exactly? Yeah, if it's it seems, not to it make seems sure like that, that should that have happens. been a major red flag and should have, again, it shouldn't have taken a candidate noticing that to actually draw, bring that att- to attention. For and, sure. and how, I guess this is what's even sadder. Obviously, anybody that lives, breathes politics at that level, like campaign managers, the candidates themselves, all should have noticed that that count was way off, but only one person actually had the backbone to stand up and go, look, I don't care if it makes me look bad. This is not, this, something's wrong. Yeah. This doesn't add up. Everybody behind the scenes had to know those numbers were off because they have all these projections down to like the one or two percentage points yeah. for every election. If you've never been involved in a campaign, holy crap, is it eye-opening what they know in advance. Yeah. And nobody? Yeah, it's, like I said, it's just the latest incident in a history of terrible fiascos from the New York City of elections. So, hey, listen, maybe, maybe this will actually be the uh, the eventual uh, turning point to get them in line. It won't be. So. It won't be. You know it won't be, too. This is not going to change. Here's the sad reality. 
if New York State was a red state, it would be getting sued the same as Georgia because their election processes are so corrupted and so broken that it's hard to fathom. But because it's Andrew Cuomo, if, if you think I'm wrong, look what happened to the Working Families Party after they dared to put up a candidate to challenge Andrew Cuomo in the primary. Guess what happened to them? Hey, are they on the ballot still? They they are only no, they because it, they right. made it only because there was a concerted effort uh, by AOC and some other uh, uh, prominent New York politicians to, if you're going to vote for Cuomo, vote for him on the working families line, basically to spite him. But your point is well taken right. that he basically tried to erase them off the map, and it only took a coordinated effort to keep them. Uh, right uh, in existence so he basically raised the threshold of how many signatures they needed by what was the factor for every other party uh so it used to be first two things they changed they changed it to it used to be every four years for the governor's race and then it used now it's every two years the president's and the president race and the governor's race and they raised the signature or the vote threshold from fifty thousand votes every four years on the governor's race to one hundred thirty thousand votes every two years for the governor's and the president's race. So yeah, that's, it's a significant hurdle that they, they, they did. And like I said, credit to the working families party. They, they organized, they, they organized and they have the support of some um, popular politicians in New York and that helped them stay on the ballot. So, but yeah, there's only four ballot, only four uh, parties on the ballot in New York anymore in large part because of what you said though. So right, because he, he went got, scorched earth and yeah. just didn't, didn't, didn't scorch all of the earth. That's all. I mean, listen, imagine that this was the other way around and it's Donald Trump in charge and somehow, actually, you know, let's go with Ron DeSantis, even better example. Ron DeSantis is in charge, is in power down in Florida and then somebody comes and mounts a challenge to him on the right. And so in response, there's probably six or seven different parties that have been able to maintain on the ballot, the Libertarians, the Conservative Party, you know, whatever else. And then all of a sudden, Ron DeSantis just, just gets annoyed by this. So he says, all right, instead of you guys having to go canvas door to door, get all these signatures, and you just got to get 50,000 every four years to make sure you can just stay on the ballot, he jacked it up to 130,000, and it's not every four years, it's every two. That you have to go out and do this every single time. People would be rightly outraged. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're, you're going to take people off? This it- is just... And just a kicker, he, he passed it in the budget, so it wasn't even really passed. It right. was just part of the He has a habit of doing process. that. Yeah, so. Isn't that where he gave the nursing home executives blanket authority, or blanket immunity from any liability having yeah. to do with COVID? That's part of the budget. Part of the budget. Obviously, that's a budgetary item. Yeah. This is what I mean. This is where sort of my default setting is all other things being equal. I tend to want more Republicans in power because at least the media does its job at that point and points out the corruption. It's not because I believe they're less corrupt. It's because I think the majority of the media skews the opposite direction, and at least we hear about it. It might not be a lot, but at least we hear something about it when it's that way. This way, nothing's going to change in New York City. There's going to be nothing. There's going to be no pressure. There's going to be no impetus to change. It's just going to keep going on. And then every couple of years, somebody will get outraged over it and make a big fuss. And then they'll get some cushy cabinet position or like a board of election position, make all kinds of money and shut up for the next four years. Welcome to politics, folks. Yeah, especially New York politics. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so God, I sound jaded. Yeah, well, deservingly. Yeah. Um, so we have some... Well, we do have a little bit of Epstein uh, news. Did you see that his new uh, New Mexico mansion went up for sale? No. $27.5 million. I'll see what I got laying around the couch. I mean, might be in your uh, crypto bank account. You can send <laughs> Any that day to, now. Send that to uh, 
the Epstein there. So, um, but the bigger story is that Judge Preska uh, has, or has said she's going to unseal a, a couple dozen more uh, documents uh, pertaining to the, uh, basically this is pertaining to the defamation case, I believe, from Delaney uh, Maxwell uh, brought by Virginia Jeffrey. So um, more and more of these documents are being uh, unsealed. Uh, Maxwell's attorneys have been trying to fight this, basically saying this is going to hurt her trial, which is set for November. Uh, the judge Preska has uh, decided otherwise, and uh, hopefully we'll have some new information pertaining to the Clintons here in the next couple of weeks. That seems to be uh, where we're headed. You're so optimistic. Um, I love it. I mean, we have gotten some documents released, right? And some of this information is coming out. It's clearly not coming out in any kind of, uh, uh, expedited fashion here yeah, and then so reporters die <laughs> well sure um we luckily we have a plethora of reporters that they can just keep going to with a ben- they have a deep bench of reporters jesus that was heartless so um but anyway you know just the the, the uh the idea is that a lot of these uh documents are going to be uh documenting the relationship with epstein's and the clintons both bill and hillary and the clinton foundation so uh, because this has to do with the finances of Ghislaine maxwell during this defamation, uh, for for damages, I feel like I feel like the uh, Jeffrey uh, lawyers were basically trying to get financial records for Maxwell to basically set compensation, and some of these has to do with the Clinton Foundation. So we hope that that will uh, come to light here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, Bill, Hillary, and Chelsea about to be joining Tom Hanks in Greece one of these days if this uh, comes to fruition. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Be, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they're not American citizens here at some point. Um, As a protest, obviously yeah. not to avoid extradition. I mean, because we're, we're like, a, they're probably leaving because of bigotry, right? It, listen, somebody's got to take a stand. All right, we cannot just let the bigots win. All right, so let's let's talk about this thing that I feel like, uh, I don't know, I didn't, <laughs> I don't know when it started, but I feel like I was one of the very first people Nobody of my friends had seen this extremist content warning on Facebook until I posted it on Facebook being like, has anybody seen this? And people were like, is this a joke? And I'm like, no, this has happened to me. So I'm not actually sure what I clicked on to prompt the warning, but Facebook has uh, decided that they want the uh, friends, uh, the friends of friends or whatever to snitch on anyone who might be posting extremist content. Um, I feel like it says, uh, are you concerned that someone you know is becoming an extremist? Maybe I'm the extremist. Um, well, you didn't get the warning. so That's you're what da- I mean, but it's not a friend. Maybe I'm the one. Oh, that's what I'm saying. For sure, you're a fan. Shoot. So, um, that stinks. I will say a bunch of my libertarian friends almost all got this message. Um, I, I don't know what to say necessarily about that, but that's the, the people who got it were almost all somebody who I had known through libertarian circles. Um, is this something, I mean, there's been a bunch of other warnings too. Like, I don't, did you see that you could not search hashtag revolution on Facebook the other day that, that it was coming up post. basically and was basically saying, no, you can't search this. I mean, how are, we're to a point where we can't search the word revolution because what we think it's, we're going to, Facebook's going to overthrow the, the government again. Like what's going on here? I mean, it Facebook ha- is terrible. It's, it is July 4th. So, I mean, if you were going to do it. There, that did happen once before. I guess. Precedent has been set. Right. Um, and I, I think this is a 
laughable. I guess that's the best word I can come up with for it. Of like, do you think you've been exposed to extremism? You also see the the other posts that I mean, I purposely shared Kennedy from Fox Business. She has her show Kennedy, so she posted something like some stupid mundane meme where it basically says, you know, you got you can't post the truth or you're going to go to 30 days of Facebook jail, and they censored it out. Like, just black blurted out because it was sensitive. I'm like, what is going on? Like, Facebook is, I don't know what happened over the last, I mean, it's been downhill spiral quickly, but it is <laughs> quickly becoming a cesspool. And these censorship, you know, modifications that they're putting on these posts are, just make it almost unusable. It's terrible. I, listen, if you, it, it's, it shows the arrogance of human beings Right on par, because if you're looking at this and thinking like, well, guys, it's really important that we point this out to people so that they can change their actions of like, so you think you would need to be warned if you, you couldn't be smart enough to to go ahead and figure out what is extremist content and what is just people having a, a fundamental disagreement and argument or different versions of what happened. Like, well, no, not me, but other people. Sure. Thank God that you are so smart. And so perfect that it couldn't happen to you. But you got to watch out for the people on the other side. Because if we've learned anything, it's that at least 50% of the American population are a bunch of homophobic, racist bigots who just want to go kill minorities and shoot guns. That's it. You can literally sum up half the population with that description. Um, Never mind that some of them happen to be minorities or that some of them happen to be gay. It doesn't matter. They just don't know any better. And they need you to explain it to them. So thank God for all you people out there. And listen, let's be fair. The, the other half use it as, well, half the country is American-hating, freedom-hating, wannabe dictators who just want to take away your guns and eliminate God. No no nuance, no gray area, no nothing. Just that's, that is how we view the other side now. And it's just the most arrogant point of view imaginable of like, well, if only they could be as smart as me. Yeah, like I said, I, I found a little bit, <laughs> I was a little bit, in disbelief and then i realized that i was most likely you know the extremist on at least one of my facebook friends so i got that to look forward to don't worry i'll put in a good word for you my higher ups i'll make sure they don't come down take it on your door um yeah this is crazy for another reason just because if you're like if you think this is a good thing you you just may want to check who you are as a human being like that, that there's some there's some fundamental like wannabe dictatorship stuff going on with you I get it's not a government. I get it's not like anything really bad happening to you. But if if this seems like a good thing, like a step in a positive direction for the country, you should probably crack a history book and, and maybe just go talk to somebody who you disagree. Like, go talk to Sean. You'll find he's probably not ready to form a revolution. It's weird. I know. It's it, But I've, I've talked to him before. I got to tell you, I don't think he's a fanatic about much of anything like he doesn't want to go do any of that stuff. He just wants to do nothing and be left alone. I know it's wild. It's a crazy, crazy notion to just let somebody live their life and be left alone. But maybe go look into that because I promise you, once you start going down this road of believing that anybody who disagrees with you is susceptible to extremism and needs your help to cure it, you are worse than the illness. You, your cure is worse than the disease every single time, historically speaking. Maybe you'll be the exception. Maybe you'll be the first time in human history that this actually went well. Good luck. Yeah. So, I don't know. Be on the lookout for more Facebook warnings, I guess. Let's talk about a couple of, uh, I guess, uh, one of our favorite topics, the media here, in a couple different ways. Um, so, Tucker Carlson... 
I'm not even sure what the his name of his show is. Tucker Carlson show, maybe? Whatever no, it is. He has, a, he has a show. It's something with Tucker Carlson. Okay. I don't know. So what he has a about. show. Um and he made a claim on his show, uh, maybe the end of last week, uh, a few days ago anyway, that the he was uh, a whistleblower from the NSA, had told him that they were listening to his uh, or monitoring his communications uh, in an effort to basically uh, put out information that would end, uh, end his show, right? So they're going to try to uh, put out some, uh, some kind of information that was, uh, you know, I don't know, detrimental to his existence uh, as a as a news person. But um, the NSA has come out and, I guess, tried to deny it, even though they basically just denied, I mean, oh, uh, we know that the NSA targets communications, not necessarily on an individual basis, but they collect data on pretty much everyone. And they don't need to target an individual person to be able to collect data on that person. Um, they just basically need to, uh, you know, point the direction in the, in the general vicinity and they will collect that information uh, by default. So um, the NSA come out and basically said, well, hey, we're not targeting Tucker Carlson and this is not true. Um, but a bunch of people like Edward Snowden, Glenn Greenwald, who uh, kind of shed light on this whole NSA operation back in whatever it was. I'm trying to find the exact 2013. Glenn Greenwald. Um, but I find it, you know, if true, which I, I, because I feel like the NSA is spying on everybody, I feel like Tucker's not alone. They're probably spying on a bunch of these news uh, personalities. And if they can use information against them, I feel like they will, which is terrible. Yeah. I, Glenn Greenwald pointed out of like the NSA came out and basically said, we're not targeting Tucker Carlson for an investigation or whatever else. And he said, look, if you don't speak this language, that sounds like a denial. But if you look at it from somebody who's been dealing with the NSA or, or as a lawyer who's listening to the words they're saying, this is not a denial whatsoever. This is like somebody saying, hey, you tried to murder me, and the denial was, listen, I at no point attempted to shoot a gun and hit you in the head. So I have uh, Greenwald's quote up here if you're looking Thank to you. read it. So um, this is a interview that Greenwald did with Tucker, but I feel like this is the quote that you're um, – uh, referring to anyways, like they use, this is Greenwald talking about the NSA. It's like they use their carefully constructed words to say Tucker Carlson is not an intelligence target of the NSA, which may be true, but that leaves out is that there are so many other ways that they have to spy on the communications of American citizens without making you the target, without getting a warrant. Um, and like I said, this is part of the information that was kind of uh, outed uh, when Edward Snowden uh, leaked the stuff to Glenn Greenwald. So, this is just coming back in real time, and uh, like I said, I don't think that Tucker's probably alone. I'm sure that they're basically collecting information on pretty much anybody, uh, any news uh, 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 talent that's that's putting out anything that's basically anti-government in any way. It's, I don't know, it's just a... It's just not a denial, and if it's not a denial, there's a reason that it's not denial. Because if this was really what you wanted to say of like, hey... We are in no way tracking his phone. We're not doing any of this. We're not doing any of that. We're doing none of it. But that's not true, and they know that because they're doing it to everybody. I mean everybody. And this is what the Edward Snowden stuff that came out was all about and established and proved beyond any doubt. And the whoever was the head of HHS at the time was in front of Congress under oath and said, no, we are not collecting data on American citizens. Clapper. And then 
the next, I was like two days later, Snowden story broke. And they came out like, oh, yes, we are on everybody and anybody because the way they phrased it was, well, if you have indirect connections to a terrorist threat, now we can track you. And here's, I'm sorry, guys, six degrees of separation means we all have some indirect connection to somebody, co-worker, former employee, former student, I don't care. You all have some indirect uh, connection to somebody that's going to commit a crime. And now here's the really scary part about this, in my opinion, is now we're, we're claiming white supremacy is the biggest terrorist threat to the United States of America. So now let's apply the same logic. You thought everybody had six degrees of separation from a potential Islamist terrorist. Wait until you see how many of us have some type of indirect tie to a white supremacist. I mean, let me put white supremacist in air quotes because I, I personally think white supremacy is so exceptionally rare that, to, that we still talk about it as laughable. Yes, there are people that are racist. Yes, there are people that are white supremacists. It is not a large portion of the population. The most generous estimates of how many actual white supremacists there are is well under 1% of the population. And that's being as generous as you could possibly be with the definition, with who's included, with assuming other people that are linked to the ones that we know, less than 1%. By a lot. Sorry, guys, it's 330 million people. Yeah, you're going to get some idiots. I, I don't know what to tell you. If that's the biggest threat we face, we're in a really good spot. And as our next story points out, is if the government uh, doesn't have... Uh, any information on you, on you uh, to hold you uh, in jail? They will make stuff up. So, let's talk about Julian Assange. Oh boy, um, he's basically still being held captive. I'm going to say uh, uh, he was. Uh, a, you guys probably heard the, the case. So he has several things going against him, but the, basically, he, you know, the owner of WikiLeaks uh, has uh, been helping whistleblowers put out information for decades. Uh, the United States government is not a fan of that. Uh, at one point, he was uh, had uh, held up in the Ecuadorian uh, uh, embassy. Uh, embassy. Uh, he's now uh, basically fighting extradition to the United States. Uh, and apparently the key witness, I'll read this right out of this article, a major witness in the United States Department of Justice case against Julian Assange has admitted for, to fabricating key accusations in the indictment against WikiLeaks founder. Oops. The witness, who has a documented history of sociopathy and has received several convictions for sexual abuse of minors and wide-ranging financial fraud, made the admission in a newly published uh, interview uh, in Stunden where he also confessed to having continued the crime spree while working for the Department of Justice and the FBI awesome. and received promise of immunity from prosecution. So this piece of shit, Sugander Ingi Thordenson, whatever his name is here, uh, basically made up a bunch of stuff. Uh, which happened to be exactly what the NSA and Homeland Security wanted to hear. They, they needed stuff on uh, Assange, and this guy could deliver, and they gave him uh, basically immunity to at all of his past crimes uh, uh, to, to do this. And so, you know, uh, Edward Snowden, going back to him, he basically said this is the end of the case on Julian Assange. Uh, in theory, it should be the end of the case on Julian Assange. I don't expect this to be a quick... Uh, uh, exit because there's too much involved in keeping him and, and locked up. Um, but this basically sheds light on the idea that the United States operates in a shady world that we basically get very few glimpses into because there's no way this is the first time that they've done anything like this. So um, 
again, it's just, and you know, this is a, a, a media, you know, this guy was basically just exposing information that was leaked from, you know, that was taken from other places and leaked to WikiLeaks. So he was not stealing that. And that was part of the assertion from this, uh, this witness is that WikiLeaks was actually going after and stealing data, but this guy made all that up. So I hope this is the beginning of the end for this case. Cause this dude has suffered long enough. Um, and like I said, I, it's, somewhat shocking to read it but like it's not all that shocking because again we've already talked about what the federal government knew about in the Epstein case right so this is just kind of a perversion of what our government's able to do and I don't understand why this doesn't get more media attention as well yeah for those that don't know this Julian Assange actually did go out of his way to make sure that what he was releasing was not going to result in harm to individuals like he, he really he called I think CIA at one point and just said hey, this came to me, and I know I'm not the only one who got it, and I know some other people have it, and they're going to go do some dumb stuff. You might want to take care of this. And they basically were like, well, what did you do? He goes, it's not about me. It's because I know other people now have this information, and I'm just telling you you're going to put people in harm's way if they don't get, if you don't get ahead of this. So the idea that he's just some like fanatical terrorist hell-bent on taking down the government is insanity. It's not supported by the facts. So it turns out that you came out and said, well, Julian Assange needs to be in prison because he's releasing all of these national security and he's a threat. And everybody kind of goes, yeah. And then the facts come out and everybody kind of goes, ooh. No, it, it sounds like he's just publishing your bad deeds and you're embarrassed by it. So then it comes out and you say, like, he's not actually breaking any law. So other people are doing this. What are you going to arrest him for? So then you come out and have somebody publicly accuse him of actually going and stealing the data which he's not authorized to have that's a violation of law and for good measure accuse him of being a pedophile because now there's no public support for you okay maybe that's true and then it comes out that the number one accuser who is a sociopath meaning completely void of empathy and and a very skewed understanding of right and wrong is facing all kinds of charges for fraud, for pedophilia, for contact with minors. He embezzled 50000 from WikiLeaks. Theft, right. So this guy is your star witness because he comes in, and of course you have him leveraged over the barrel, as the saying goes. And to just say, so here's what you're going to say about Julian Assange, and we will give you blanket immunity. Blanket. Total. Complete immunity from all this stuff. And you just got to say this about, because obviously it's true. That's why we're offering you total immunity is to tell the truth because we couldn't possibly prove it without you. And you're the only one who knows and thank God for you, because that's why we're going to give you full immunity. Anybody else want to be a little bit skeptical? Yeah, it's, like, it's a setup. It sounds totally like it, just that the government just manufactured a witness that they've you know, they have a habit of doing this, and this is just a prime example. And it's another case of the FBI and our other uh, policing and, and defense entities in this country using informants that are worse than the people we're chasing. Like, the informants are informants, and they're going out and committing all these crimes with immunity. And it's, I don't, this system is so broken at this point, it just doesn't make sense. Blame Epstein. I, I mean, I'll blame whoever you want. It's probably been going on longer than that. It's just, it's wild when you start looking into it of like they put a mole into this, you know, allegedly criminal organization. The mole ends up becoming like a leader of it. And then they 
I don't, I don't want to say it always they persuade the group to do something illegal, but they're usually cheering it on. And then the group does something illegal, gets caught, and the FBI gets to take credit for thwarting yet another terrorist threat. Yeah. Ah. It goes back to the Liberty meme. FBI foils FBI's terror plot. FBI. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's the problem. Like, this is bad. Yeah. And this is just, if you know that context and you know that that is happening. I'm not going to comment on how often, how frequent, or what the percentage of it is where it's happening, but we know it's happening. And then you see this stuff coming out, and Assange, now this guy's just basically said, yeah, listen, I made it all up. All right, well, yeah, I want to know his motives. I want to know what he's getting out of it, if he really just had a change of heart. But you haven't been able to get any corroborating witnesses for this claim either. Like, this is just this guy, and he's now coming out and saying, that's not true. Um, Why are we not talking about this? Why, why, who covered this? What news entities made this the front of their 6 p.m. or 8 p.m. cable news show? I wasn't Tucker Carlson. It wasn't Rachel Maddow. It wasn't whoever's on CNN, Chris Cuomo. How did I forget that one? It's my bad. No, no, that's not worth talking about. Can't, can't even discuss it. Yeah. As like I said, it's just another failure of their media that we've pointed out here over and over again. He, this, they, they, of all, pl- of all people they should be standing up for, this just should be one of the guys. So it's um, the system is so broken and it always breaks in the same direction. The media always gets it wrong by covering for the government. I like, what is the purpose of the media? How is our media today? Not simple propaganda for their respective parties. Yeah, they're just stenographers and public relations officers. They are. So, God. all right. So let's, we had a couple uh, papers released since the last show that I found uh, interesting. Uh, one about masks and kids and one about the uh, safety of the vaccines, uh, which that one was actually retracted. But before I talk about, or we talk about either one of those, I want to talk about uh, OSHA. Sure. So if you go to the OSHA page, uh, the facts page, um, and I'm on there now, and uh, they have a uh, vaccine-related tab, and you could go down there. And one of the questions is, are adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine recordable on the OSHA record-keeping log? Okay, seems like a fair question. Reasonable. Yeah. Uh, here is their answer. And DOL in this uh, is the Department of Labor. So, Department, and this is the answer to that question. Are adverse reactions to the COVID-19 vaccine recordable on OSHA record-keeping log? The Department of Labor and OSHA, as well as other federal agencies, are working diligently to encourage COVID-19 vaccinations. First of all, that has nothing to do with the, the question. That is really just setting a context. Shocking. OSHA does not wish to have any appearance of discouraging workers from receiving COVID-19 vaccinations and also does not wish to disincentivize employers' vaccination efforts. As a result, OSHA will not enforce 29 CFR 1904's recording requirement to require any employers to record worker side effects from COVID-19 vaccinations through May 2022. We will reevaluate the agency position at the time to determine the best course of action moving forward. So how is this not a conspiracy? This is basically OSHA and the Department of Labor deciding that they're not going to enforce part of their I'm assuming this 29 CFR 1904 has some kind of uh, requ- uh, recording requirement for employers. If they require a employee to get a vaccination, uh, they are required to re- uh, report any side effects, right? Well, they're going to waive that or just uh, look over that and just not apply it to the COVID-19 vaccination. 
this seems like just mind-bogglingly short-sighted, uh, wrong. Yeah, stupid, I mean, ignorant. It's it's so it's oh. so far, it's so far. It's literally they're just again going using your phrase. They're just literally carrying the water for as much of the establishment as they possibly can. It's so crazy. I mean, it's it's really dangerous. Like. All right, so you have OSHA, which is supposed to be there to protect workers for safety and health standards across the board. Now, one of the arguments for the existence of OSHA is because there's a power imbalance between employers and employees. Okay, fine. So if, if as an employer, if I make you get a vaccine that you're opposed to to keep your job. Now, the other argument is, well, then you just don't have to work there anymore, but that's not always realistic because of X, Y, and Z reasons. Cool. I tell you, you have to get a vaccine. And let's pretend it's not a COVID vaccine. Let's just pretend it's a something else. Some vaccine to, like, malaria or something that you might get because There's no we, vaccine for malaria. Whatever. Just, can you just roll with okay. me here? All right. So I, got, I make you get it because there's a chance that it's not big, but we deal with people from countries where malaria is present, so I make every employee get it just to be safe. And then you end up suffering really, really horrific side effects and you end up getting like blood clots and myocarditis and you got to be hospitalized multiple times. And then you come back to me and say, hey, you, you made me do this. And then my argument is, no, I didn't. Well, it, it doesn't matter. And OSHA is supposed to be there to protect the worker to say, wait, 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 you made your employee get all this stuff to keep their job. Now you're responsible for what happens. It's pretty simple and straightforward, <laughs> except with the COVID vaccine. Okay. So, again, we've, we've discussed this ad nauseum on the show. Like The risk for young, healthy people who are not obese is pretty much zero of, of getting very sick and or dying of COVID. And now we're making them get the vaccine because, you know, hashtag science and the Delta variant and basically ignorance to a, a, a profound degree on how the human immune system works. And you're not even allowed to ask about like, well, what if somebody had it and they have natural immunity, antibodies or T cells? Shut up, you heretic. Right, cool. Um, what? Yeah. And we know there are side effects. I'm sorry, guys. There are. They are happening. It doesn't mean that the risk outweighs the benefit or anything else, but it means that everybody's got to make this decision, and we're asking people to go in so ignorantly blind. And if you dare ask questions, you get a Facebook profile telling you that you're becoming an extremist for daring to question Lord Fauci of like, wait, 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 this doesn't make sense. Why are, we pro why are we pushing remdesivir on people when it has absolutely no impact on mortality? Why aren't we talking about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin? Shut up, you ignoramus. Right, cool. Obviously, because if there's anybody who you can count on to be honest, truthful, and upstanding, it's Dr. Anthony Fauci. He's just a public servant trying to do the right thing. Yeah. I, I said I, I was alerted to that. We'll come uh, back to that, that later. That facts page and just couldn't believe that. OSHA, because I remember actually posting OSHA previous, like back when this was starting to become a thing with schools, and I was seeing the teachers weren't being mandated, but the students were, and I was like, oh, this is because of OSHA. They're just not going to let, they're not going to do that, but then OSHA just basically changed their thing, so now everybody can just do it. It's crazy. The initial guidance from OSHA was if you mandate the vaccine and there's an adverse reaction, yeah. you are responsible I'm for I'm guessing what that's what that, that citing of their rec yeah. recording criteria is there, but anyway, so just craziness out of OSHA. And the Department of Labor, I guess. 
Um, Another paper that I want to talk on briefly uh, was published and then since been retracted in a very short time. Um, And this was the titled The Safety of COVID-19 Vaccine, We Should Rethink the Policy, right? And so this was posted and all hell broke loose. Um, And really it was tracted in large part because a bunch of people, this was posted in uh, MDPI, which let me see if I can figure out what that stands for here. I cannot, MDPI, I don't have it here in front of me. But um, a bunch of the uh, people who worked for that started uh, quitting uh, and citing this published paper as the reason why. Um, and coincidentally, most of those, if not all of those people who quit were uh, being funded by the Melinda, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So, um, Take that for what you will. But this paper came out basically saying that there are a lot of damage being done uh, through the vaccine. So um, it was, again, it was immediately retracted uh, in large part because they could not confirm. I think the the way I read it was they could not confirm that the incidents being reported through VAERS were exactly uh, vaccine related, right? So this has basically been the, the argument of all stuff through VAERS, but MDPI stands for Molecular Diversity Preservation International. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the same that MDPI the right right, or not, but stupid. Oh, Multidisciplinary Digital Publishing Institute. There you go. Sorry, wrong MDPI, guys. So stupid a lot. So a lot of the people who uh, were uh, who quit basically were all being funded by uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So they, uh, they're quitting, the rage quitting basically got the, the paper retracted. But the one I really want to talk to you about is uh, the, the titled Experimental Assessment of Carbon Dioxide Content in Inhaled Air with, without, with or Without Face Masks in Healthy Children, a, random, a Randomized Clinical Trial. Oh, those are the good ones. Yeah, and this one is posted in JAMA, so... Okay. One of the, the best journal one of, of American Medical Association, the RCT in JAMA. I can't really get too uh, uh, more elite than this, right? Um, and this basically found that in a matter of minutes, that uh, children were suffering from uh, an excess uh, carbon monoxide. So they were monoxide being, or dioxide? Dioxide, sorry. Um, and this is kind of the first study of masks in children ever. And this basically says uh, we should not be doing this, uh, that it's uh, causing harm to these kids. Uh, and we know that the kids are not a primary vector of getting or spreading this device or disease or getting sick when they do have the virus. So this is kind of like a punctuation mark and exclamation point to this whole masking of kids things. But these masks should be off kids long ago. I hope that this, is the beginning of the end for masking of kids. Oh, it should be. And it should have, the beginning of the end should have happened last June. That that should have been the end of putting masks on kids. Cause we knew then that this just, it wasn't having any impact. It, I mean, we all should have stopped wearing masks at that point, unless you had some type of symptoms and couldn't isolate. Um, that would have been it, but no, we had to go the route of it, complete and utter stupidity with no science to back us up. I mean, look, I can't believe what you're saying right now because I was reliably informed by doctors on YouTube that that was a ridiculous argument from anti-maskers who were just ignoramuses and that they were dumb and that it has no impact on your carbon dioxide levels whatsoever or your oxygen levels for that matter. So I feel like hashtag science says you're wrong. And yeah. screw you and your illegitimate publication and your stupid, stat, your stupid test. So... I don't know. Like I said, we've, we've 
probably covered this. Go ahead. I literally shared a um, the study that was posted on the CDC's website that cited that household transmission being the most common type of all instances of, of household transmission, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic together accounted for 0.7% of all cases. And I was having a discussion with somebody on Twitter over this, and I just said, look, here's the data. This is why. And he responded, do you have anything that says this from a legit publication? And I just stared at the question for a minute. Like, I expect people on my side to be like, Jim is corrupted. They don't want it anymore. Like, bro, you're on team hashtag science. And you're... And I responded to him like, what would you deem more credible than the Journal of the American Medical Association? And it was peer reviewed. It was all, it checked all the boxes. It was a meta-analysis. It wasn't a, an RCT, but it was a very thorough meta-analysis. And now I'm, I'm seeing the same stuff. Like this is a, a, what is your counter argument here? At some point you keep going after the credibility of the test and the credibility of the journal. But even with your, what you just talked about on the vaccine reactions, I agree with you. Correlation does not equal causation. You're 100% right. Two things, though. Number one, the flip side of this argument, uh, for all the people saying vaccines are safe and COVID is the plague, correlation absolutely does equal causation, point blank, period, end of sentence, and there's no room for debate. Again, 600,000 people have not died of COVID. It is not close. We know that number is wrong, but initially the idea was, well, we can't be too careful. We want to make sure we don't miss anybody, so we're just going to overcount early on because we don't want to miss anybody. Cool. It's been 18 months. Any talk about maybe going back and updating that, like the dude that died on a motorcycle car accident three weeks after a positive COVID test? I've seen, I've seen some studies that have that number down around the 320,000 I've now. heard the, the largest reduction I've heard is, and we're not even talking about where COVID was a, a cofactor, a comorbidity factor. We're talking about the ones where COVID had absolutely no, ind- no impact whatsoever other than a positive COVID test. So you're talking, I've seen it, the reduction would be as high as 40%. If you got rid of those. And my only question is, why don't we know that answer? Why, why have we not looked into this? Because your side is so hell-bent on correlation does, in fact, equal causation when it suits your purposes. And listen, we're not even tracking the events. Like, with this emergency use authorization, like, there should be extra tracking of data absolutely now that, now that these vaccines are out there like there should that should be part of the the the, the use okay hey we're going to put this forward but we need to be extra careful and we need to test and track all of these events uh good and bad and actually get some real-time information as they're coming but i don't think that's happening at all no nope. nowhere and this is the other issue i have on the the correlation doesn't equal causation yeah you're using it on your side even though you shouldn't be but then back to this argument but correlation does mean correlation, and this is a lot of correlation, and nobody is looking into this. No no mainstream establishment, publication, scientist, government, bureaucracy, safety organization, or any of those things are looking at the correlation to see if there might be causation. This is the idea of if I don't see it, it's not real. Like you're sitting under your bed, under the covers, with your hands over your eyes, being like, there's no monsters. I, I'm, I'm sorry. There, and I, you know, because there's, you know, they, they claim it's a backlog, but because the slow roll of the information coming out, if you actually had data in real time, I think the correlation would be gigantic and you would actually be like, okay, there would be a red flag. There would be a signal that you'd be like, okay, there's something going on here. Cause right now, <clears throat> you know, there's, I think a reported of like just, just about 6,000 deaths that are, are, are being associated through, through the CDC, through associated with the vaccine. 
But there are people leaking numbers that say they're working within the CDC that say that number is over 20,000, upwards of 25,000. So if that's the case, and if those numbers were coming out in real time and there wasn't a backlog and there wasn't some kind of a slow roll of this data, the signal would be loud and clear and everybody would be like, okay, we have a problem. And we're, we're just not getting that information at all. Uh, the problem is they don't want to find the problem. Right. And then anybody who points it out, it's not just like, well, I don't know about that. I need more evidence. It's how dare you? I'm going to quit this journal because you would dare publish something. I didn't see anybody quit when the peer-reviewed study got uh, published in The Lancet that Sturgisphere just made up the entire test. Or how about when the University of Minnesota tested, tested hydroxychloroquine and gave it to people on day 15 and then claimed it didn't work? Or how about the other one where they gave them four times the recommended dose of hydroxychloroquine and then concluded hydroxychloroquine doesn't work and is causing some adverse effects? Why is nobody quitting over the fact that there's only one test currently being done by the NIH of ivermectin and it's not going to be done until March of 2023? Why is nobody quitting over these things? Because it would seem to me that you're on a team. If you were truly objective, just a vigilant uh, seeker of truth, you'd be outraged about a couple of things on the other way. Like, And this is where anybody says, well, it's not peer-reviewed. I got to level with you. I don't care. I'm going to look at the actual methodology and the science. And now if it turns out that it doesn't match up and it's all wrong, great. But I've seen that happen multiple times with peer-reviewed. So it doesn't hold the esteem it once did for me anymore. It just doesn't, it, it, and that's what's really sad. Looking at this case now, it is not safe to mass children. It is have, Now, is it, does that mean it's going to kill them? No, but why are we harming them for no reason? How about that? How about if you're going to cause harm on a child psychologically, mentally, and now through oxygenation levels, maybe the burden's on you to show benefit? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That would seem you know like a reasonable threshold to hit of like you have to demonstrate that this is having a significant benefit the problem is it's not and it's unassailable it's inarguable you can't even make a claim that is legitimate to show that it's helping there is no data whatsoever to support the idea that masking children is beneficial at all none and yet somehow i think it's still the majority of people are kind of like well Got to take care. You wear your mask to protect me, and you know kids can spread it. And asymptomatic spread could happen. I, it, the level of willful ignorance is getting very frustrating. Yeah, and like I said, I, I do find there. You know, hopefully there'll be new guidance, um, but I do feel like the masking is breaking down in public. I I I see them, but <clears throat> they're not they're not what what they once were anyway. Yeah, um, I, I mean, listen, I take my kids into the stores and everything else, and they were before they were asking like, do I need to put a mask on? Like, no. Just leave it off. Like, if somebody asks me, I'll just tell them I'm vaccinated. I'm like, no, you won't. If somebody dares to come up and ask you if you are vaccinated or where your mask is, you send them over to me and we'll have a scene. I don't know who in the world would think that would be okay to ask of my children, but let's be clear, it's not your business. That'd be fun to watch. I mean, I would end up on YouTube that day because that would actually make me snap. All right. That'd so, be a bridge too far. So so let's end the show uh, with your boy, Dr. Fauci. My guy. Your boy. Huge um, fan. So you sent me this article, and I kind of was uh, skimming through, and I found this article linked uh, to one of our other boys. Uh, uh, Phil Magnus wrote a, a, an article about some of this stuff. Uh, not not the point that we're going to talk about here, but basically kind of talking about how Fauci sucked back during the AIDS epidemic and now how he similarly sucks uh, during COVID here. So, um, 
But let me read uh, right from uh, part of this uh, article that you sent me here. So in 1987, pioneering AIDS activist Michael Callen, I'm C-A-L-L-E-N, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, I'm going to say Callen, begged Fauci for help in promoting the use of Bactrim as PCP, uh, PCP prophylaxis, and issuing interim guidance urging physicians to prophylax those patients deemed high in PCP. Now, PCP is not uh, the drug that you're talking about. It is uh, a form of pneumonia that was that responsible for a significant number of deaths from AIDS. Yeah, so that was basically what was killing the AIDS patients was this PCP, this uh, this acute uh, pneumonia here. So <clears throat> I'm, we're going to bring this fast forward to 2021 here, or maybe even to 2020. And so Bactrim was this uh, easily available drug uh, that could have uh, helped uh, people who... Uh, it was known to help people with PCP, this form of pneumonia, uh, uh, before AIDS, and uh, Fauci was not uh, a fan of that. So it parallels what we're talking about with ivermectin here going around in, in 2021, where the NIH has not taking a stand one way or the other on their website. They're basically indifferent on ivermectin, but the data coming out deserves somebody to be promoting this other than uh, Dr. Pierre Corey, I guess, and uh, the, the tentacles that he has uh, through the FLCCC. But it should be a widely discussed topic, and it seems as though they're, this is the same uh, playbook that they're using uh, from 1987 during the AIDS thing of squashing any uh, known uh, repurposed drugs that could be helpful for some of the symptoms this in an effort to make sure that they had a more costly uh, patented drug coming to uh, what was the one in uh, for AIDS? It was, uh, I don't remember. Uh, maybe it's in here, printed here. I forgot what the, uh, the, the drug was. Um, I don't see it here, but anyway, so <clears throat> the idea is that Fauci playing interference on a drug that could help people and save people um, and save their lives uh, in an effort to allow the drug manufacturers to create a drug that's going to save the world and uh, make a bunch of money on it as well. So, I don't know. I thought this article was pretty interesting that you sent me. And I said, it looks like this is, uh, you know, on top of the the claim for whatever he said, how how AIDS could be uh, spread uh, through s- surfaces, which obviously turned out to be not true, similar there. So there's some similarities in this game plan of when – the people are scared uh, to basically monetize it through the powers of influence that he has with these drug companies. And uh, it's more underlining of the fact that uh, Tony Fauci is a piece of shit. AZT so, is the drug I was talking about. So here's the overly simplified version. Um, so during the, now keep in mind, AIDS is acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. So it actually just, it destroys your immune system. And especially early on, people were dying from very common illnesses. So one of the major causes of illness, when we say death from AIDS, it's not AIDS itself. It's the illness that gets you when you have no more immune system to fight it off. So uh, one of the largest sources or one of the largest causes of death from people with AIDS was this PCP, this particular strain of pneumonia that was, I, I guess, particularly um, virulent, virulent, whatever that word is, strong during this time. And so this doctor went to Anthony Fauci and said, hey, we've got a lot of people treating with, what was the name of the generic drug? 
the Bactrim. Bactrim. We people are. It's preventing them from dying from this flu or from this pneumonia, and it's it's saving their lives and it's it's letting them at least carry on to fight another day while we work on a cure for AIDS. So let it, it would go a really long way if you would just come out and say there does seem to be a positive correlation with Bactrim and we should start using it because there's very little side effect, very little risk, and it's well worth it. If you have AIDS, you should probably start taking Bactrim, especially right now in this flu season or pneumonia season. And Anthony Fauci came out and said, no. And I think he got defiant and said, no, it was because he wanted me to come out and say that it, that it had an impact. And I hadn't seen the study, but I offered to fund a study for him, which now we've seen what fund a study means, which is, yeah, in, in two years, you'll get the results that we already know are obvious from treating. And it's the same exact model of what we're seeing right now play out. You have physicians who are actually treating people and saying, hey, ivermectin is working, and then he, look at this study, look at this study, look at this study. It's all coming out positive. Every one of them is coming out positive. And even if we can't definitively say, yes, it's all working, there's no side effects, no significant ones. There's virtually no risk to this. And if you gave people the opportunity or the informed consent to say, hey, at least ask your doctor about Bactrim. Ask, 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 ask. Just like every, weirdly enough, pharmaceutical TV commercial that you ever see today for these brand new drugs that they can make money off of is be sure to ask your doctor about this. And then here's the list of side effects that include death, impotence, destruction of your family, headaches, migraine, dizziness, nausea, diarrhea. I, like this is something with none of those. And there's no effort whatsoever to, hey, maybe just ask because that way. And, and here's the problem with it. By doing nothing, and you could say, well, you, he had to err on the side of caution. How is that erring on the side of caution? That is erring on the side of money. And, and he's doing the same thing now. He's erring on the side of money. Well, there's no definitive test. That's weird because you didn't notice when all the falsified tests came out to disprove hydroxychloroquine. You had no problem coming out and making a statement that the data seems pretty clear that there's no benefit. It's a pretty conclusive statement for basing it on falsified data. Same thing uh, with everything you're doing is you'll give a definitive statement when it supports the pharmaceutical companies and when it is belittling or undermining or demeaning a repurposed, widely available generic drug. There's a very clear playbook at work here. It's the same exact thing again. We're living in the twilight zone right now because this is happening again where all he had to say was there does seem to be positive results and it would make sense from a diagnostic and a clinical point of view because of the way this drug works and it attacks X, Y, or Z. It's not a silver bullet. It's not some golden parachute. It's not a guarantee, but it seems that maybe doctors should consider treating with it. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's uh, the, the downside, the, the risk factor was was basically nothing and these these patients were dying and, you know, in, in two different instances, Fauci basically let him die. So I, it's not going to cure AIDS, but oh my God, if you can get them to survive long enough right. while you're working on a stronger cure and a more uh, expansive way to prevent death, how many people died unnecessarily because of this? How many people have to die because of this man's decisions before you're allowed to question him? Before you're allowed to question the motives of, are you really here to serve the public or are you here to serve the people whose funding you control and that you are by thereby controlled through? Because it seems pretty obvious if you start looking at the evidence which side he's on. And folks, it ain't ours. Sorry. 
It's not our side. If he was on our side, he would comment on ivermectin every single day to talk about its potential benefits. And even if he just gave a disclaimer to say, now look, we don't have a double-blind RCT, but it seems pretty good. No, instead we get falsified versions of how the virus came to be. We get nonsense about hydroxychloroquine killing people, even though we've had no problem giving it to nursing women for the last 50 years. And we just get complete silence on ivermectin and removed. Has he even commented on the censorship aspect of all of this yet? Hey, it's not a good idea to censor people that are discussing this. You're taking medical doctors and researchers off of your platform for discussing potential cures. You should probably stop that. Has he said that? No. Oh, weird. And you still think this dude's good. You still think he's some benevolent, generous man who's just trying to do his best. Forget that. Maybe it's true. If that's true, he is the dumbest doctor I have ever seen in my entire life. So you can pick which one you want him to be. Either he knows exactly what he's doing and he's not on our side, or he's genuinely that stupid that he doesn't realize every decision he makes just happens to benefit the pharmaceutical industry at the expense of the population. Yeah, he's terrible. Like I said, I I know the thought was that he would have uh, been portrayed as a martyr, and maybe that's true, but Trump should have fired him. Or he's got the worst luck ever because every decision he makes ends up happening in that direction. And it's just every time it was a 50-50 shot even though it wasn't, and he just got it all wrong. Weird. Or it's because he's ignoring the 99% rule, highlighting the 1% exception to every single instance where it suits him, and he highlights the hell out of it. Like I said, that's that's why he had us hovering over toilet seats in the 80s, because he thought AIDS could... We could get AIDS through the toilet seats. And here's the thing. There's nothing factually incorrect about saying, well, it potentially could. But it would be very, very rare. Now, yes, with a virus, it, it can happen through surface. But just like this time, and Brett Weinstein talked about this on the Dark Horse podcast, the test came out within a week that showed like, yeah, nah, there's like no shot that this is true. But we washed groceries for a month because it's like, well, we still can't be sure. We still can't be sure. We still like, dude, it's 12 tests. Like, it's such an exception. now. It's like the odds of you being right are so infinitesimally small that to even talk about them is a joke. Truly, it's a joke that we're even considering it, let alone basing public policy on it. So maybe we should uh, go back and do some more history on the uh, the AIDS uh, response, and uh, maybe we'll be able to predict the future here. Oh, I'm sure we can. But it's going to be the same. You remember how stand-up comedians used to have jokes in the 90s about how the only way that you could live with AIDS is you had to be Magic Johnson because you had to be that level of rich. They could cure it, but it wasn't for the poor people. It was only for the rich people that could afford it, the drug and to be on it and everything else. Um, yeah, so you tell me the same thing's not happening right now with vaccines and boosters. I mean, you might be right. I'm just not willing to commit completely on that. Like, yeah, no, you're, you, you might need boosters forever as a result. That's, that is a distinct possibility. Not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But if you don't think it's possible, I got bad news for you. It is possible. They don't really know. They're, they hope not, but they don't know yet. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is messed up. And they said, I don't know how... Fauci survives this, but I don't know how he's still our, our governor is still in place too. So who knows? Know. Jesus, I love the fact that it's still our governor. Never mind the thousands of people he sentenced to death or the blatant bribe that he took to use a budget item to give all nursing homes and hospitals complete protection from liability for a million dollar donation. Never mind all that. It's going to be the sexual harassment that gets him. 
And I'm not saying sexual harassment's not serious. Of course it's serious, of course it's real, and of course he deserves to be fired for that. But if you think sexual harassment is worse than this absolute negligent homicide of all of these senior citizens and the blatant corruption of taking the bribe, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Yeah. Well, we'll end on that note. Um, Because it's so uplifting. Yeah, well, that's how our shows are. So uh, (laughs) on that note, uh, I'll remind everybody to share and like this video. Uh, That's how we uh, do good in the algorithms. And uh, then subscribe and hit that notification bell, and you'll be alerted when we go uh, live. And next time we go live should be next Monday, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, And uh, just another reminder that uh, McAfee didn't kill himself. Neither did Epstein. Epstein didn't kill himself. And nursing home patients didn't kill themselves, Ben. They did not. That is true. They did not. And apparently next week the subject will be, did Magic Johnson really have HIV or was it all a conspiracy to get black people to use condoms and protect themselves? And Ice Giants. (laughs) And Ice Giants. Yes. We got to cover Ice Giants at some point. That's a great show. All right. On that note, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, We'll see you all again next week. And uh, again, spread the word and uh, help out the show. Thank you.